0: Good morning, my friend, and welcome to the Mike Mantell Podcast. It is me, Mike Mantell. And, you know, perhaps it's not morning for you. It's actually 6 p.m. for me right now. But, you know, I think it's a nice viewpoint to always view it as the morning of your life, so to speak. Always room to have a full day. Always room to change and evolve. A friend of mine, actually, is, she's 65, and, you know, she had a complete life transformation at the age of, like, 63 So I don't know. A lot of people think it's too late, but it's never too late. So good morning. Anyways, today's guest is a man named Corey Allen. Corey has his own podcast, which I would very much recommend checking out. It's called The Astral Hustle, and it's one of my personal favorite podcasts. I've been listening to it for, I don't know, maybe like two years now. Yeah, I love I love his podcast. I love his voice. First of all, he's just got this deep, sexy, baritone voice that feels good to listen to. But he's also just really fucking wise. Just straight up. Like he's dived deep into Western philosophy. He's dived deep into meditation. I just feel like There's two type of people in this world. You can fill in the blank, whatever your types of people are. But one way to fill in those blanks are type of person A are people who get it. The type of person B are people who don't get it. I don't even know what that means, but I guess I just want to say, Corey gets it, whatever it is. And I really respect his opinion. I was so grateful to be able to talk with him too, because yeah, I've been a fan of his podcast and him for a long time. and So it was really cool for me to be able to have a conversation with him, and was really um, surreal in some ways. It was a God, really, really cool episode. We talked about a lot of fascinating things, to name a few. Talked about just general way that he views his life approach, uh, how he balances his inner spirituality and his external spirituality, the marriage between those two, and talks about his view of intuition and using that to make decisions. Also talked about Buddhism, his relationship with Buddhism, and just religion in general and how it's this interesting interesting like invisible thing that you can be uh either religious or not religious and to me it's fascinating because it's like people who are in it it's like a flip is switched and they're in it and their world is just different than my world in some fundamental way so (laughs) we talked about that yeah you could say there are two kinds of people in the world those who are of a religious belief and those who are not and i think both are equally valid and we also talked about something a phrase he taught me called the intersubjective agreement and essentially, we're just discussing how people are fucking with what we just agree upon to be true, and how reality is kind of coming apart by the seams, and I just, I don't know, talked about my fear on that. So, it was an episode that went somewhat in the swamps, but also went in the heavens, too. Talking to Corey, he was just full of wisdom nuggets, just dropping him out his booty left and right. And by booty, I, of course, mean his mouth. Um... <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just want to say I sincerely appreciate you listening. I, I really, really mean that. It, it it means a lot to me to have folks willing to support me on this journey, and hopefully you get something out of this episode, because, I don't know, I had a phenomenal and informational and enlightening experience in this conversation. Yeah, and the last thing is, my goal in every area of my life that I care about is Mastery. So I'm very into practice. Uh, So the book Peak has really inspired me of using deliberate practice to get better at my crafts. And one of my crafts is being a podcast host and a conversationalist. And so if you have any feedback, constructive feedback, I'm so open to it. As long as it's coming from a place of compassion, I will hear you out and do my best to incorporate it if it feels resonant to me. Because I want to be the best podcaster I can be and I want the listening experience for whoever's listening to be as positive and entertaining and profound and captivating as possible. And so of course I want to improve my skills. So I want to say, if you want to reach out in that capacity, um, soup's open to it. All right, my friend, that's all I got for you. Hope you have just a mind bogglingly positive experience listening to this conversation with Corey Allen. And I'll give you one more wish. I hope that, I hope that today's an adventure for you. I hope that today has all of the qualities of an awesome adventure all right friend i'll see you in there what was the thing that first got you into the field of podcasting and what were some elements of the uh, path along the way that were notable for you
1: yeah well initially the concept of speaking publicly was something that's interested me for a long time Um, Growing up whenever, you know, in my teenage years, I was always very attracted to, of course, Eastern Western philosophers, but then the kind of weird, rebellious middle ground of that people like Alan Watts and stuff. And, and so, uh, you know, I love just the, the art of oration, I always have. And I love philosophy and thinking and ideas and expressing, you know, articulating things and what have you. So I always knew or had had knew for a long time that I wanted to do something like that. Um, but then also I was aware of just how dumb I was and how, you know, how arrogant and narcissistic and, and what a little asshole I could be, you know, in this is, you know, in my like late teen, early, early twenties type of years and, um, even though I, I was interested in, in that type of thing, then even, um, I became more interested in it and I just knew I needed to be patient and and wait until I was at a place where I was doing it for the right reasons, where I, I knew that I had everything under control and could basically put something out there in the world that was useful and good and not completely self-focused and, and, uh, and just and, and not, um, because the things i like to talk about involve so much nuance and people take them including myself take them very sincerely and will try and incorporate an idea or some insight or something like that into their life and that's a really potent uh, potential of change for someone's trajectory of their life and i'm not trying to i suppose make it too uh, you know, too much more important than it is, but there is a potential. You know, people do take those things very seriously, and they, they. Uh, so anyway, so I, I always thought it was important to make sure that what you're saying, if you're waxing philosophical, to make sure that you're just saying you're aware of what you're saying. You know, because c- you you don't want to pass a hot potato <laughs> off to and t- to somebody and have it burn their fingers. Um, but then the actual impetus of me getting into podcasting was just being uh, my uh, a friend of mine, Aubrey, is. Uh, he has a podcast and um, I was his first guest and since then yeah you know, I've been on, on his podcast like 15 times or something but after the in the early days I was I would go on a lot and his fans would always reach out to me and, and email me and message me and say man you you know we want you to start your own podcast and so that's pretty much what pushed me over the the edges. It was overwhelming public demand.
0: Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> You cool. know, the, the, That's, that must've been, the yeah, but that must've been such like, um, an amazing, I don't know. I can imagine that being just in a, such an amazing boost of confidence at the time to have people like, Corey, we want you, man. Get out here. Yeah, I
1: guess so. I, I think that if anything, I don't know, I don't really think about confidence. I don't, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It, what, what I suppose it was good for was an instant conversion into an audience, like knowing that there's people waiting. It was good because obviously I think a lot of people start. I started with an advantage, I think, because I think a lot of people start a podcast and they have, they're like, well, my friends will like this maybe, hopefully, you know? Um, But it was, I was fortunate in that I had people waiting. So I was able to kind of start with, with people. Yeah. You know? Like hit the and ground running. really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I knew from the outset that it would be kind of, um, received at least be valuable and kind of worth my my time and I really just started it for fun and that's what's interesting about it is I started doing it for fun and then things kind of got more serious because it scaled really quickly and then you know it just sort of continues to collapse in on itself and and grow and grow and grow
0: yeah that was the interesting thing you were saying about having almost like a moral responsibility knowing that putting information out there on some levels going to influence people like at the very least it's going to touch a lot of ears. And it's pretty hard to know what will happen when someone receives a piece of information, how does that affect them and the decisions they make. But even if there's some degree of butterfly effect type stuff, yeah, just putting information out there, it's going to have ripples. It's just an interesting thing to think about if my authentic interests and passions bring me into worlds where there's power on the line where like following it would lead to power. It's just a really interesting part of being a human to navigate the parts of me that might want power. And so I need to make sure that I'm in good relationship with those parts if I'm engaging in something that might lead potentially in that direction.
1: Right. What's interesting about that is that um it just kind of self you i think what you're saying is you're talking about self auditing you know your intention in some regard to make sure that you're doing what you're doing for the right reasons and saying what you're saying for the right reasons and and i spent a long a lot of time doing that you know just even sitting down I, I tend to think things into oblivion but i i sit down and i just think like why am i doing a podcast like what is, what is my my real goal here is it because i need attention is it because you know i i want to you know whatever x y and z and just really drilling down in an honest way and and always coming to that you know mining the minerals of the self and always coming to the okay i'm doing this because i want to share positive ideas you know with good people and help you know help people wonder more and suffer less you know that's the tagline of my show wonder more and suffer less um uh, but you know if you It's kind of the Jungian idea in psychology is that they, you know, is is said that we have humans have all of this, you know, this bound up subconscious thought and connections below the surface of our awareness. And it's necessary because what makes humans so potent as as critters is that our ability to converse and to communicate. And that's why, of course, that's why there's no more Neanderthals. You know, we were able to uh, to communicate with each other and kind of force them into zones and territories in which they eventually kind of starved and weren't able to to uh, sustain themselves anymore and um our you know communication gives us that's why we have the advantage you know as all the animals on the on the earth and so it's like our superpower and so we need it as much as you know we're, we're able to use it and so In order for us to even understand anything, for us to understand ourselves or anything like that, we have to talk out uh, what we're thinking because that's the only way we have to get the kind of contents of our subconscious out of ourselves so that we can observe it and gain an external perspective. And that's really how most of us are able to understand ourselves is through expression and communication. Um, That's why I kind of look at podcasting like a meditation in some ways, but... If you talk about what you're talking about, this the self auditing idea of your intention and how saying what you say with care and 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 uh, precision. This is some in a similar way working at, like the expression of the subconscious through conversation through you know self reflection. So if you take these ideas and this is just something that I I do sometimes is like I'll think about in context of what I'm thinking about in relation to doing a podcast and then just take a step back and be like, well. I should just be, this is like something I should be applying to my life right now, making sure I'm applying it to my life. Because if you're standing around thinking like, well, it's really important to think about what I say on this podcast, because, you know, I don't want to you know, influence people in a negative way, even though it can be large or small, Right. then why not sit back and be like, you know, I
0: should probably do that in my life. Right. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. Yeah, that reminds me of some advice that I got, but something to the effect of like the way that you would treat your children, being able to like view at least the same care for yourself in that way. Yeah. Boy, one thing um, I got curious about when you were talking about your relationship with this practice of self-auditing, because at least the way you were describing, it sounds like essentially checking what your motivations are. So like if I wanted to do something or take some action, let's say I want to start a business or something and then looking at what my motivations are and how present the motivation is because I want to spread goodwill or because it's something I'm really passionate about. Or because I want to make a lot of money or I want to influence a lot of people. And so I'm curious because generally when I do self-inventory on anything, I have this whole smattering of motivations. And I guess usually I just kind of consider that to be part of being a human that's also part animal and like part savage and part beast and I have ego and all this stuff. That when I look at my motivations, for me at least, I'm kind of imagining it like a... um I don't know, like each motivation is a vial and it's filled somewhere between, you know, zero and totally full. Most of my vials have something in them, even the vials that I'm not proud of, like the part of me that does want to be famous or whatever. And I'm curious when you're making decisions and you're doing your self auditing, what do you do if you see that you have some motivation that maybe isn't like the most noble motivation you'd want to follow while also having motivation that you do feel happy following, I'm curious how you navigate the presence of both of those two. Mm. Well, if if there's
1: one that seems like it's going to be harmful or going to lead me into some path of self delusion or something like that, I I don't follow through with the action, like whatever it is.
0: But I'm I guess I'm curious if bo- if that is present alongside um, some motivation to like I don't know help other people.
1: Hmm. So you're saying if you're trying to do something kind for someone, but at the same time in your mind you know that it will bring you more visibility. Yeah, 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 and exactly. So, and or so something kind like of, that. They're inseparable. Yeah, I mean, you know, man, you just you look at okay, well, here's the the actual intention and in, impetus of the thing I'm trying to do. And then of course there's gonna be this cloud of connective tissue around that thing that's like, okay, and then this is gonna happen, and then this is gonna happen, this is also gonna happen. And so it's sort of I think to me it's like well, as long as your your goal is clear and the you know, the thing that you're doing, you know, and your and your intentions are, are well-meaning in that, then the other stuff that comes along for that, those are fine. You know, they're just so so say you do something kind and it's going to give you visibility. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting visibility is but as long as you're not doing the thing in a masquerade to get visibility, then that's an issue, you know, but if you're just. If there's a byproduct of action, then, then sure you know it's it's, no, it's just a part of it's kind of an inescapable part of being, really.:
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's part of the game, just because, yeah, I've, I've diluted myself plenty of times in my life, and I know it's a thing that is possible of happening. so it's just kind of an interesting, yeah, I don't know, just like the the non-precision of being a human, how like nothing yeah. is precise, nothing is perfect, everything's messy and sloppy. Also, dude, do you mind if I just ask you a zoom out question here? Sure. So this is kind of a a big word and a big question. I'm gonna throw at you, but it's um, I don't know, feeling resonant. I'm curious what what does spirituality mean to you? Hmm. Well, I think that it's the
1: it's naming the unnameable, right? It's it's essentially the life force to me. I think that it's one of those things where you know everyone of course has a different interpretation of it because it's it's touching on the transcendent and so it's something that's non communicable through language essentially um but it's something that all of us feel and then we all kind of abstract it through our subjectivity and then that gets wrapped up with our egos and our our past experiences and cultural inheritance and all that st- stuff and that's why there's a lot of fighting around spirituality is because in in kind of re- religion and what have you because people are using that to identify themselves as a person and so whenever someone else has a different subjective interpretation of what that means and they argue about it then that person who has the opposing point of view feels like they're their very life is being argued with and then they go into protection mode instead they start fighting for their lives quite literally in a philosophical way um and so you know it it's that's how powerful this thing is you know is it's like we can feel that that you know in our lives moving through us so it's just the the feeling of being the feeling of vitality you can you'll never mistake you know putting your hand on something that's alive Uh, as opposed to something that's dead, you know, you can just feel the difference. And that is kind of a life that's moving through all things on earth anyway. And so to me, that is the kind of the reduction sauce of spirituality. It's that thing. It's, it's the life force. And I think that the practice of honoring that is, is respecting that force, and learning how to serve it and allow it to serve you because it wants to serve you you know it wants to it wants the system to thrive because our whole you know matrix of being is nothing but like this infinitely complex system of tributaries and conduits for the flow of of all things and the more that you're in accord in accord with the groove of your your purpose or your you know pathway in that system then the the more momentum that can be gained by the equation of the cosmos in itself right the, you know you see what i'm saying yeah yeah totally and so i think that a part of of uh you know the the important the practice part is just kind of trying to get the the you out of the way you know our human arrogance and allowing that thing to to flow more freely i suppose
0: okay yes yeah, super interesting so when you're speaking of like um this getting the eunice out of the way so whatever this life thing is underneath the surface can just express itself through each body or each person or whatever when i when i hear that and when i think about what spirituality has meant to me there's been like kind of two sides to practicing that one has been things around buddhism meditation and practicing getting distance from my ego and observing my ego and just observing like observing my human my human expression Mm -hmm. but then there's been this other side of things which i've come across i don't know in the past two years which is around purpose like purpose with a capital p and this way of just like Living both every moment of life in my fullest potential authentic human expression and making the big life decisions that feel like the same thing. And it's this feeling of, I don't know, life force just passionately spouting out of me. And for me, it's been, I don't know, just an interesting balancing act. Balancing these two sides of my relationship with spirituality, the side that I get to touch into when I'm on meditation retreats and am not acting on anything. And the side where I'm just living in pure action. And I don't know if that, if you relate to that dichotomy at all.
1: I think I understand what you mean. Yeah. It's like that you, there's like this entrepreneurial spirituality almost. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like I, I'm in business with life and I, I want our relationship to scale and thrive, you know? <laughs> and then there's like, <laughs> the, then there's the, the quiet, you know, internal. No, I think what you're really what you're describing is the inner and outer lives yeah, of, sure. of a human, sure. you know, because we have this, we have a, a relationship with our outer life, you know, and our, our outer connection to everything. And then we have our inner dialogue and our inner lives. And um, I think that to me, you know, what I, I tend to do a lot of times is just get out of the way. And what I mean by that is kind of, instead of trying to grab at the outer life and trying to shape the outer life and, and force it into my inner life or something like that, um, you know, life doesn't work that way. Like life is is to be, we're a container, right? Not, not a, n- n- so we should be receiving, not grabbing and taking because everything is trying to, give to us all all the time you know and so and that includes like information and concept and ideas and and just there's the abundance of now is so rich and huge man but the the reason why we find ourselves feeling constricted or or in you know stages where we we feel dry or unhappy or lost or something like that is because we've ceased to receive and we've tried to shape being to our will And, um, yeah, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to, to, to step back and to, to actually create negative space, you know, in yourself, and then just become the watcher. Right. And so the function of the intellectual mind and the inner life and the way that you can connect the outer and inner lives is, is stepping back, creating internal, cultivating internal space, you know, through meditation or mindfulness or whatever it might be. And, and then as you, begin to just observe what comes through the assessing and kind of tending the garden of what you're receiving is the skill and kind of the ap- applicable skill of the the intellectual mind so this just becomes you're, you're just sifting for puzzle pieces or jewels or something like that at that point and then then your your intuition is then you know what you connect that to is like, okay, so this is the next
0: like step or the next the right thing to do the next pathway. Cool. That was a really interesting metaphor of I like this creating negative space, allowing something to come in, tending the information that comes in, and getting the site to know what the jewels in the garden are to pick out and take action on. And it's interesting too, because in living in that fashion or like practicing in that fashion, there's the skill, I suppose, of finding the jewels and recognizing what they are. But then there's this, at least in my experience, entirely separate skills of actually bringing those jewels into the external world, which is to say, doing the thing or taking the action or. Right, right. I guess the word that I've often used to link those two is integrity being able to align my outer world with my inner clarity. And well I'm curious if that word resonates with you or what how have you found to link the the finding of the jewel to the executing?
1: Yeah, well like life is chaos, right? And it's not against you, but it's definitely not on your side. Is it's just all it's all happening. Mm, right. And so that's <laughs> yeah. that's like the we're just amongst it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so that is like the the bu- like being is the ca- the the bubbling kind of rushing river you know and so we need to walk through that somehow and so the jewels become the stones that we can throw in front of us to step on. And then there's another jewel. Throw that one in front of you. Step on. Oh, out. that's cool. That's how you get through the river without getting swept away into madness. Yeah. The abyss. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Totally. And you throw the wrong jewel. That baby's sinking, and you're <laughs> yeah. You're in a whirlpool. And, and just <laughs> and just prepare yourself for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Because it's going to happen every <laughs> yes. Other time. You know? Yes.
0: Totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is that is too fun. That metaphor is really uh, getting some mileage. <laughs> Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I'm kind of curious for a slight change in direction, but semi-related of... I'm curious what your relationship with Buddhism is, and if that was ever a tradition that... Like, to what degree you took that on as your worldview, if ever. Yeah, man. I, I, I feel like I kind of was...
1: I met Buddhism like a good friend, like a good buddy that... Oh uh, we have a lot in common, you know. This is this is cool. We should hang out. That's essentially been my relationship with it. You know, whenever I was, uh, you know, a lot younger. This is like more than I don't know. This is like 20 years ago or something like that. I basically got really into Western philosophy, became obsessed with it, and just kind of digested it all. And then, and and as I read that, I thought, okay, like the first book I ever opened, uh, you know, by the portable Nietzsche. You know, I it was like holy, holy smokes, this is how I think, like, this is the same functioning process. And up until that point, I'd always felt very lost and just like, I don't know, I felt almost like depersonalized. I felt unconnected to the rest of my, the ecosystem of my life because no one I really knew, I I couldn't relate to them in the shapes and the abstract connections and whatever, the way that my mind worked. Whenever I read that, I was like, oh, okay. This is this is how I think. This is like, and so that's what just made me obsessed with philosophy because that was like the way I was able to find other others in the world that like I could talk to essentially, but you know, I guess just read and was like, okay, cool. And so after I, I read just a, a you know as much of it as I could really handle uh, or was interested in, I then moved to Eastern philosophy because I thought, well one, a lot of those ideas are referenced in Western philosophy and you know, in particular philosophers like Schopenhauer, or something like that. And then um so whenever, and it was just interesting to me in general and you know, I was reading at the same time I was reading a lot of kind of like hippie seventies philosophers like Terrence McKenna and Robert Anton Wilson and people like that, Tim Leary. And so then, uh, yeah, so they were talking about meditation. So then I took it seriously and really got into Eastern philosophy and went deep on that. And so that was sort of like how I got into it. My, the entry point is I started kind of in the West and then went East. But one of read, you know, started reading Buddhism, <clears throat> I thought I had the same reaction to that philosophy as I did Western philosophy. But this time, it's sort of how I th- uh, think it was what I think. So I was like, oh, okay, this is like, this is – um kind of the, what's in my in my uh my my heart you know more closely to that and so so uh from then you know it became just a a good peripheral source of knowledge you know and I've I've never been religious uh I, you know I look at eastern you know quote unquote religions of course people do take them as ceremonial you know ritualistic religions I look at them as philosophies and ways of thinking, but I also look at Western religions that that way too. Um, I just they're all modes of thinking because if you if you look at at least for me anyway, if you look at all world religions, you know, relatively, of course, you can find an outlier in anything, but. If you look at them all, there—it's again—we're back to this. Is why I gave you the answer about spirituality earlier, as they're all communicating about the same transcendent human experience in different ways, relative to the time the thing was written and their cultural inheritance. So you know, in India, they're like, hey, it's a bunch of gods that all have these crazy—you know—superpowers, and they and it defines the different parts of the natural world through all those gods. Or if you. And the, you know, and so on and so on. Reincarnation. Same thing with you know, with Buddhism. It's, they're like, hey, you know, here's all these these Buddhas, and they kind of do the same representation. You know, in Christianity, they're like, hey, here's the main homie Buddha. You know, essentially, like Jesus is like the Buddha. Yeah. of course. Of yeah, everyone's got a main Christianity. homie. Christianity. <laughs> so so they're, yeah. So they're all talking about the same thing, uh, and it's just the different r- wallpaper that they've put on, trying to connect these transcendent human experiences. So. To me, I've always just gone. Well, that's these are interesting ways of talking about a thing, you know, that I'm interested in. And so I've kind of like taken the the useful zingers from from all all of those things. But of course, Buddhism just happens to really have a lot of those and and talk about it in a way I think is is pretty wise and and far far ahead of its time. Uh, so that's that's kind of my yeah. my relationship. Yeah.
0: Cool. It. I mean, a bunch of things I'm curious about in there, but one of them I'm wondering, uh, this idea of each one having a different wallpaper at, at the end there. One thing I've always wondered, which honestly is an impossible thing to know, but I'll post it anyways, because I've I've found myself very interested in re- religions. There's a part of me that's also terrified that I'm going to have some type of religious awakening. I've, I've, and it doesn't <laughs> even matter what it is. Often it's a Christian awakening, but it could be anything because... There's something about people who are like fully into a religion that just seems different than people on the other side of the wallpaper. Like right. it, there's some kind of commitment switch that's flipped where I don't know what it's like on the other side. And a thing I often wonder is if if there's something to be said that I could never understand, but like something to be said about if I am a full Buddhist or a full Christian, whatever that even means, if there's something I'm tapping into that Mike on this side of the wallpaper can't tap into without that commitment.
1: I totally know exactly what you mean. I mean, that's a great distinction to make and an interesting you know, point to raise. You know, if you think about it, I mean, I look at it as like people who are that emblazoned with their own religiosity to me seem like extremists. Like they see, hmm. you know, it's sure. sure. sort of like, hmm, in the same way that if you, you know, I don't know. I got to be careful with the the comparison or the anecdote I draw here. But say, let, let's just take it to, to politics, you know, to make it more kind, a kind example. Like, say you look at someone who's, whatever your political belief system is, or, or relative belief system is, let's say that you see someone who is like an extreme conservative Trump supporter or something like that. And that's not the way you think, like you could never get on the other side of the wall of, of that person either. Right. And just be like, how are they, how do they think that, you know, like I can't, I really can't put myself there. (laughs) And it's like, I could put myself into, I could understand. And this is like, I was just talking about this, about this recently about flat earthers. It's like, I, I, as an example, it's like. I get that someone could say they're a flat earther, but underneath, is that a veneer? Like underneath that, do they really genuinely earnestly believe that the earth is flat? And it's, you know, it's It's like, how could that be? Like, how could that be? Or are they using this thing as a way to tether themselves to reality in which they can't understand? And so they create a infinitely comically defensible position around something that like kind of, tethers them to earth in a world that's overwhelming them and it becomes their identity. And it just sort of gains power because of that. Right. Like, is, is that the thing? Right. Is it some weird low rent way to feel special and like feel above? it? I don't know. And so I, I apply that to not only to religions because it's like, huh, you like legitimately believe in a Christian God or like a, or, or you legitimately believe in, buddhist reincarnation that that's a real head scratcher to me because i I can't see how one could do that without flinching you know what I mean sure um and but really man <laughs> to to speaking of zooming out a little bit yeah, yeah i I think about that about just beliefs in general yeah, and like i'm I'm well aware that I have mine, but like i'll I'll just look at people and be like, that's so weird that they believe something. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? right. it's something different than <laughs> I, I do too when I'm looking at them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, it is a it is a weird, a weird potential. But you truly it just the, the the main frame in which you process your reality is is quite possibly, and I would I would wager that it's too colored with gray area and nuance for you to you, you're too smart and too curious to accept. a a binary answer on something that you understand to be so big. And so it's probably just not possible for you to just go all in on a thing unless you're, you know, brainwashed or something like that. Yeah,
0: no, it's, it's God, lots of interesting stuff. Like, yeah, beliefs are fucking trippy. Like it is so Mm -hmm. trippy that if I'm walking around, I live in Seattle. If I'm walking around Seattle and I look around, all these people's beliefs are different. They're all living in entirely different realities. Like their worlds are different. And I, I mean, a thing I often wonder too is to what extent are the worlds different? How far how far does a belief actually affect reality? That's I have no clue the answer to that, but I find myself, uh, I don't know, very intrigued by that question. But a, a skill that I think would be interesting to have is uh, like belief flexibility. Like I would like to be able to know what it's like to be a flat earther, even if only for like five minutes i i really want to try on that reality not because i want to live in it long term by any means but um yeah but, but there's probably some interesting stuff going on in there that i could learn from and yeah it's like yeah go ahead i was just gonna say it's yeah it's like someone's house like yeah <laughs> you ever drive by someone's
1: house and like i, I look at just all of the houses around them like there's like this whole universe inside of there. there you know, there's yes. this power system. There's like this weird way of doing and thinking things. There's like strange foods and like what you know, just pictures of people and like there's all this weird stuff happening. Yeah, it's got there. its own yeah. smell. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah, exactly. And all and all, just like animals, just wild animals it's in there. Animal. You know, and like th- th- that we trust for some reason. And I, I, uh, I just look at houses I'm going to buy. I'm like. I'd love to just like look around in there. I just out of not, you know, just out of pure curiosity. Yeah. But that's how I feel about what you're saying about like belief systems and reality tunnels. I'm like, I totally get what, what you mean, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was last night actually. I was talking about this with someone. I was thinking about like posing kind of the same legitimacy of perceived or or I suppose um, the theatrics of belief that someone puts on. It's like how legitimate is that in in reference to North Korea? Because I'm like, is that like do do people you know the mass population that we see in media the way that people are expressing their devotion to that government I just it's if something has a top I I've in my experience it's impossible for me to believe that there isn't a bottom and so I just in in quite often and if you look at cultures like look at something like Japan or something the more repressed and organized the culture is the underbelly is often <sighs> equally wild and unrepressed yeah, and yeah, chaotic yeah. like if you there's some like art the art world of the underground art world of Japan. Oh yeah. So and their see. fashion
0: and their sex culture. Like yeah. everything is wild. Exactly. There. It's like,
1: it's cause it's so bound up during the day. And then like whenever I was in Japan, it's hilarious that the, even the marketing, they're like for work time, there's like X, Y, and Z during relaxation time, you drink that, you know, it's like, they literally are talking in marketing, like for working time, this, this, this <laughs> for relaxing time,
0: this, this, this it's like, it's so compartmentalized. Yeah. But, that's God. That's, that's really fascinating. The Japan example is so interesting that this like hyper structure firmness is just squeezing out this extreme expression on the other end to find balance. But I find that interesting because to me that's so like those two sides are such a clear yin and yang uh, balance of this hyper like over structured yang is is just giving rise to this insanely chaotic and wild uh, yin on the other side. Right, right, and and right now, if if
1: those were two eggs that were dropped sunny side up in a pan and were cooking perfect in perfect balance, then America is scrambled eggs right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Our our underbelly has become our overbelly, and like our top has become our bottom, and it's like it's all we
0: just have like mange, right? right. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's really interesting. What do you think about that? Like of living in a I mean, obviously, you live in America, um so you probably prefer it to some degree, but do you what about as far as just the way that we're talking about it, like the scrambled eggs versus the two clean eggs well, here's what's funny, man is that like I really actually
1: feel most at home whenever I'm in europe oh interesting uh yeah, and i I think it's more a personality thing than anything else. Huh. They U- Europe certainly has its challenges right now. You know they're trying to figure out you know the gov- shifts in government and their currency and immigration you know from uh, Eastern Europe and from Afri- Northern Africa and stuff like that. So there's a lot of you know it's it's there's a lot going on. There's, there's just as much going on there as there is here. It's just a little different. And you look at Brexit and you know how the European Union is shifting and whatever. Um, but culturally uh because i am very uh i'm my own business and i'm very low-key and uh interested in sort of uh i don't know smaller more sincere connections and things like that uh i i just feel a lot more comfortable there because people are just doing their for the most part you know of course this is like a huge generalization but People are just like doing their things, living their lives. They're not like obsessed with, they're not as self-obsessed and, and you know, there's, they're just like enjoying themselves and they're more laid back and, and a bit more, I think, connected to other parts of the world. And um, they put emphasis on different things, you know, and I think those things to me resonate a lot better. Is there a, a place specifically in Europe that you resonate with most? Definitely. Like, I mean, Italy and France are the kind of two yeah, cool. main connection points, but but in particular Italy, man, it's like I was like, oh, like just that's that's I felt like my heart was connected there somehow, you know. But anyway, um, but the, what's interesting about that though is you know you know if you travel, you always get like reverse culture shock because you go somewhere else, you get used to you know the, the vibes and the pacing and kind of everything. And then when you come back, you're like, oh, wow, this is – I'm like in America. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, a a big one was being uh, in the Amazon for a while, Mm. coming back to – even the airport, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, air conditioning. Like, (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, But anyway, yeah, it's always a trip, man, coming back to the pacing and the focus of American life is so, so, like – Frantic and judgmental and and self obsessed and based on celebrity culture and media kind of you know spin and massaging of reality and distraction like just the distraction is so crazy over the top it's like everything is pulling and commanding your attention like marketing and news stories that of course are just really marketing it's just that every three seconds there's something drawing our attention away and uh, it really, I think that's a big part of the issue of why the American consciousness has kind of shattered and become fragmented is because, like, if you think about the fact that most people in America spend so much time looking at their phone, looking at their social media and whatever, like, that's really changing the neuroplasticity of our minds. So, the, the other problem there, and I, I think it's sort of why we're experiencing what we're experiencing on a political level right now and and just the great divide between the different ways of seeing uh, culture and you know what's right and wh- how we should move forward, is that <clears throat> we, we're looking through our phone at the world so much, at this representation. However, inherently in that representation, we understand that what is in that world of the internet is not necessarily reality. Like we know that, okay, well just because it says this on Wikipedia, we know that's not necessarily true. Right. People change filter. this stuff all the time. People talk shit, you know, in, in all different ways constantly and in their, you know, they have all these weird motivations and more, more well if it doesn't. So if you think in that way, looking at your phone so much for so long, you know you, that begins to change the neuroplasticity of your mind. You start thinking in that way and, and seeing the representation of reality in that way. So when you look up from your phone and you start to engage with your own life, it's it's hard not to see life in the same way, not believing things that are objectively true to be true. You begin to like negotiate your own actual reality away in the same way that we do through our phones, and so it's causing this interesting kind of like negation of objectivity and that's what's creating a lot of the pressure and you know the other um the other you know big kind of issue with america is that like the the conservative and liberal elements of that dichotomy they're actually they're supposed to be helping each other like that's that's the basis of how our political system was was created is that the The conservative elements there are are meant to be the base because it's literally two minds. It's two personality types. Like a conservative personality type is one that is good at strategy. Strategy. It's good at planning. It's good, good at organization. It's good at looking at, at the patterns of what have has worked in the past and using those things to our advantage because we know that they work and keeping them working moving forward. And a more liberal point of view is a dreaming point of view that's looking for innovation, looking for new things, you know, looking how to improve, but those points of view or those types of minds are often unorganized. Like they kind of have to be because they have to, to to move through these different layers and, and you know, remove the boundaries of thinking in order to get to new ways of thought. So those types of minds are not good at organization. They're not good at execution. A lot of times, so those two ways of thinking should be overlaid upon each other, not fighting against each other. Because the conservatives need to be there to kind of keep things organized and moving and the liberal points of view need to be there to help things innovating and can keep things growing so this thing should be shaking hands but now they're diametrically opposed to each other and they all the other you know ridiculous like i you know identity politics and all this other stuff that's going along with that is creating this stretching of of those two things and eventually um this is gonna this is a little bit of a of an abstract thing but So in philosophy, there's like something called, you know, called the inter, for anyone that's listening that isn't familiar, there's something called the intersubjective agreement. So essentially, we have the way that we see the world subjectively. So your unique point of view is how you see the world. It's how you see your reality. You know, it's the imprintation of everything you've experienced in your life up until this point. Your family, you know, the way your family has influenced you, the way your culture has influenced you, and the time you're alive. And it paints this picture, you know, the way that you see the world. Then there's the objective world, which is the world outside of your skin. That is just this raw, unperceived, it's just the happening of the natural world. So all of us are taking these readings of what's happening outside of our bodies, and we're all creating different points of view, you know, based upon our own experiences and all those other things I listed. So we all see the same, you know, kind of physical reality, but we all see it in different shades, kind of different ways and different perspectives, and that's how we all have our points of view an intersubjective agreement is why reality works it's because there's no such thing as like the united states like show me where that is it's like there's no such thing it's like it's through you know lawyers have put together legal agreements and, and contracts that say okay this chunk of land is called our states and they're united and these legal contracts and agreements unite those states and all of us subjectively you know, psychologically agree that that's real and that's true. So it becomes a thing, even though show me where, you know, show me where Facebook is like, like, you know, like, well, it's a business. It's a, it's an entity, but it doesn't really exist, like, except for on legal documents. But we all agree that currency is the same way. Uh, like money doesn't really like here's a piece of paper, but what makes a piece of paper valuable as opposed to a piece of of legal pay, like a notepad or something like that, as opposed to a hundred dollar bill? It's like well, we all agree through some psychological magic woo-woo-ness that this you know hundred dollar bill has value, and so anyway, if you look at the, you know, the um, so much of our lives as is, is humans are is able to to proceed because we have these intersubjective agreements but what's happening through the crazy bias personal bias and reality bias that's happening because of social media and the internet and what what have you is it's actually stretching it's putting stress on that intersubjective agreement of reality right now and it's something i've been watching more and more so like I sort of like enjoy the chaos of it, but I also know that if it goes too far, it's going to really. its, oh, it's like already if there's a rift in problems. the
0: intersubjective agreement and it like tears into
1: two. That's, and that is the issue. It's like, when will that rubber band pop? And if it does, what will happen? Well, is and the
0: intersubjective, intersubjective agreement always cohesive, anyways? Because to me, it, it seems inherently flexible because it can never perfectly pin down the objective. Right, right. We But we can, as long as we're agreeing that there's an agreement like we may argue
1: um, over the wording like it's <laughs> ambiguous but as long as we can agree that it exists oh, that's but you're really saying useful. people are saying there's no are trying to like blow up the agreement altogether right, right Right. so like an example is is like a guy you know recently in the news that is is legally trying to change his age because he said he identified as someone who's 45 instead of 65 <laughs> like that's, you. That's, that's, yeah, that's real, man. God, some uh, guy, I think in fuck, Scotland, that's interesting it might, it might be. And so it's like, that's challenging our agreement of reality. That's just a, that's a drop, you know, that's, and it can go, it can continue to just go on and on until like, when will everyone begin to sort of push back on that? But the issue now is that like pushing back on something like that now comes with the kind of moral outrage, the, the outrage, you know, virtue signaling that people love on the internet because that's all rooted in ego, man. So people can get on, on social media and be, you know, have outrage, you know, moral panic and outrage over something to make themselves feel in an alpha position and feel better about themselves and be able to judge without conscience and all this. Whenever really it's like, no, but this dude should not, like – we, we can say whatever he wants. He can say, oh, I'm 45. Tw- I'm people have been lying about their age and we'll continue sure. forever. But to allow it to legally be changed because he identifies as right. absurd. I mean, God, there's it's,
0: something it's- really tricky there because, like, obviously that example is absurd. And But, the, but then there's, int- like, God, gender is such a – there are such sticky things going on because gender is, like, you know, a pre- in, the, in a similar boat as the example you gave of people who – Throughout time, if you're born, if you're born with a penis throughout time, you're just called a male. That was just a thing. Like sex and gender were kind of conflated into the same thing. And now it seems like they're getting separated into different things, which I think I personally think is legitimate. But then it becomes this interesting thing of people identifying as different genders than their sex. It's like, okay, cool. That makes sense. And people who are making up their own genders or are not identifying as a gender. And from like a personal standpoint, it's like, yeah, dude, I can totally see. Why that's happening. I can totally relate to that. It's society has like very harsh definitions of gender. And at least for me, it's been quite a part of my path to navigate what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman and ha- like just asking how I relate to these questions. But it's that whole process also that is in line with what you're talking about of this, like blowing up of the inner subjective agreement. And gosh, I don't know where the balance is there. But there's something terrifying <laughs> about the right. inner subjective agreement blowing up it like it even thinking about that causes me fear. It's like the fear of insanity or the fear fear of not being able to have a grasp on reality. There's something like i think scary about that space of chaos right no it it is man and and not to
1: to kind of get too uh like un, you know too creepy but too creepy i i, I like that to, preface <laughs> <laughs> i tend to feel like you know what's fueling the whole purpose of the of what you're talking about this this whole tearing apart of our kind of reality as a as a culture and as a country it's the modern version of divide and conquer man it's it's the, it's, it's the 21st century you know 2018 way of controlling perception and the the best way for power structures to control people who are uh, you know who who they want to control is by one creating tribalism which has happened through this two creating a lot of static and the static is hard to deal with it's overwhelming it creates stress what can it you what does fear. static mean here well, the static is like all trying to understand a lot of this bananas stuff that's going on out there. That's just nonsense. Mm. And it's creating fighting. It's creating It's like the guy, you know, suing to change his age because he had, ident- like, that's things like that. I see. It's like that's yeah. creating stress, right? And so, anyway, you know, the more that that is propagated and, and those things are given media time and, and all this other stuff, the more partisan the more biased, the more scared, the more angry, the more confused everyone's going to be. And ultimately, that's all encased in distraction. So everyone is distracted from their lives, from themselves, and what's actually important and what's happening. So everyone's living in this compulsive state of anxiousness because they're, oh God, what else is coming over the horizon? And how how can I navigate it? How can I deal with it? And so whenever you're doing that, there's no time to question sort of deep the deeper tentacles of geopolitical uh, manipulation, which ultimately I think is a, a major play in a lot of what's going on internationally. Mm. And so why I would stay, why I remain in America for now. And <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say this because I do, you know, have conversations with my wife about, you know, moving to Europe, but it's not out of like this idea. Whenever people were saying and nothing against him, but my point of view is that whenever people were saying like, Oh, if Trump is elected, then I'm moving to Canada or whatever. Right. I'm like, really? Like someone breaks into your house and you run out the back door like, that's how you protect your family? Mm. You know, like, right. no, I'm going to stick around. You got to stay around. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and, ride, and stay with your family and your friends and make sure that they're not deserted by you just saying, okay, bye, everyone. Good luck. Yeah. I'm totally. running. I'm out of here.
0: I mean, I had a similar thought when I spent the last year, last year, I spent about a year traveling, spent a lot of time in like hippie oasis cultures in Central America, which was an awesome experience. And I will probably go back to some of them. But I also had this lingering sense that's like cool it's great that i can come here and like charge up my engine and like strap on new armor but what's the point at least for me in putting on the armor if i'm not gonna go back into the where the war is taking place so to speak and that's right yeah so that gave me motivation to move back to the states this past year and yeah man and it's also funny just um, bringing it back full circle of when you were talking about the just the play of um the power of putting perception on people and like sifting apart realities. I mean, it's kind of what you're talking about at the beginning, like the power of information and why you decided to get into podcasting was to put out perspectives that are useful, which is really cool. Totally. Well, and we're also running into time. So, uh, I also wanted to ask you where anyone listening could find you and, uh, what reasons they might want to look you up. Well,
1: you can go to gory com. There's my podcast and a whole variety of other things. um, and the reason they might want to look me up is uh, if you would like to hear more of <laughs> of what we're talking about now. Um, yeah, my podcast is about 160 episodes or something like that. You know, Kevin Kelly, Damian Eccles, Taro, uh, Isaac Apila have been some of the more recent guests and a lot of great guests coming up. So if you want to come wonder more and suffer less, then that's the place.
0: Cool. Oh, I didn't know you had a talk with Kevin Kelly. I'd like to check that out. I've wanted to look into his work for a while.
1: He he gave me a great kind of parting mantra, and that was at the, I, at this point in his life he, he's interested in becoming a being a good ancestor, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah, you know, dude, that's like, that's
0: legit. Yeah, cool, Corey, dude. I want to give you just um the most sincere gratitude for coming on and speaking with me. I really appreciate having the conversation with you, and and it was a lot of fun. You you have such an enthusiastic curiosity and like just like kind of a beastly uh, synthesizing mind that, that was really fun to feed information to it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. I, I really
1: appreciate the invitation. I had yeah. a great time too. And I'm going to change my... The, the, one of the last you know podcasts I think I was on, someone called me a bullshit destroyer, and that was on my business card, but now I'm changing <laughs> it to beastly mind synthesis. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I had a really good time. Hey friends, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know that I sure had a blast with it. If you enjoy this podcast, please head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. I'm offering an exchange right now where, if it feels in alignment for you to give this podcast five stars, then send me a message on Facebook, let me know you did it, and then I'll sit down, take some time to grok your profile, and I will write you a thoughtful and sincere compliment truly please take me up on it and if this episode touched on something you think a friend might find titillating pass it on to them too and i just want to say i bring my utmost sincerity to each of these conversations and i really do want to spread vibes and information that cause people to reflect and deepen and just live a more honest kind and vivacious life because i really believe that the state of the world needs everything that we can give it it needs people to be at full capacity it needs people to be living their life fully and giving their greatest positive impact to humanity and so if i can just flick over one domino with this podcast that flicks over a couple more that lead people into living their life fully and giving back to the earth then by jove man i will be a happy dude so trying to do my part here and any help love and support i would just so greatly appreciate And at the very least, I am super appreciated that you listened to this episode. And much love, folks. I'll see you next time.